welcome to the joyfulness broadcast today i have fiona who i met through a coaching directory on the sedona method website i was looking for coaches and you were the only one that had a website everyone else had their phone numbers and emails and it was hard to reach them but you had your website and we have done a bit of work together and you've been a really great help to my life and i appreciate you coming here to chat and see what we talk about things yes welcome fiona thanks it's great to be it's great to hang out with you nick I'm looking forward to see what um we talk about <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> me too well you know actually i was driving in the car um on the way here and what came up was like maybe getting to know a bit about your your experiences and stuff and what led you here and well maybe even for the listeners who don't know really much about you how would you describe what you what you are actually yeah let's go with that one how would you describe what you are <laughs> oh golly not okay. what you do what you are <laughs> yeah well you know i guess um what am i who am i what that that question really was with me from very early on in my in my life in my childhood not that I kind of conceptualized it in that way in the way that I know that that this question who am I you know as the question that fuels self-inquiry I didn't know that as a child but I was always curious as a kid and and in a way where it quickly became evident to me that most people around me were not curious. They were kind of contracted, you know, they were kind of held down in opinions. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, I mean, there's one point, I don't know how old I, old I was, maybe five or six. And at that point, I could see the play of the world, the way it played out. And a lot of it didn't make sense to me. It mm. really didn't. I mean, it confused me. And a lot of, a lot of it was painful. I mean, there was a, a fair amount of unhappiness in my family mm. and it just didn't make sense. And I was just so curious why people behave the way they did. And the only conclusion I could come up with at that point to resolve my discomfort with all, this, all of it was to conclude that I'd somehow landed on the wrong planet. <laughs> And that seemed to be a reasonable explanation at the time for me because it really didn't look like I belonged. I just felt so out of tune, you know, with uh, how people behaved and their, their, their kind of perspective on life. Of course, I, didn't, I couldn't artic articulate um, fully my sense of disconnect and, and uncomfortableness then. I just was unhappy, you know, I guess. Um, who am I? What am I? So this question has kind of been with me right from the beginning. And it would surface um, at times through my um, childhood and adolescent years as a real fascination with um, certain ideas and concepts like evolution, for instance. When I first came across that, just the word evolution and just, just the barest of understandings as a six-year-old, I had a moment of insight. I didn't know it was a moment of insight. I thought it was kind of normal. It just happened. 
where I knew that that word uh, referred to consciousness. And I didn't have that word at that age either. I didn't have the word consciousness. Mm. But when I, it excited me, that, that, whole, that whole, the whole resonance of, of that word in the evolution and the insight that came to me enlivened me, even though I didn't have the language of what consciousness, you know, all the ideas of consciousness. And then later on in life, uh, in, in, in my schooling, when I got to study evolution from a Darwinian perspective, you know, it's the adapt, adaptation of the species and the, the fish growing legs and this and that. I mean, that, that was kind of a piece of something to study and okay, good, interesting idea. But to me, the word, it never lost its insightful revelation that we're here to evolve in consciousness. That's what I am here for. That's what kind of this species is here for. Right. And that, and I, I don't remember ever sharing that at the time with my schoolmates and this and that. It just felt deeply true to me. And true meaning deeply kind of um, settling in my being and gave me a sense of hope, a sense of direction, a sense of understanding what this crazy world what actually it was all about it was about oh we're here to evolve out of this craziness mm. yeah. so the question for me continued to, you know just continue to drive me um through life and i guess i'm kind of seeing what pops up next in memory for me well so just when you yeah. say evolve in um in consciousness what do you mean by that or what did you see that as as a kid you know i didn't i didn't see it well i didn't see it initially as anything it initially when i just knew the word had a resonance for me and that it referred to consciousness it was a deep resonance in my being um, it was a and it was a visceral resonance it was a bodily it was a I felt experience of, I mean, I now will use the words. I didn't then, because I didn't have all the language, but it was a felt experience of being light, being, um, experiencing a, a lovely coherency in my being, harmony, peace. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't have those words, harmony, peace, at the very early age that I had this insight moment. But that experience of coherency, of harmony, peace, is, is undeniable. It has an immediate effect on, on the felt sense experience in life. Mm -hmm. And as a child who, you know, I kind of was developed, developed pretty quickly as a coping or dysfunctional coping kind of level of anxiety and nervous system sort of bias to the, to the fight and flight mode, mm -hmm. you know, to, to switch from that um, conditioning in the biology to coherency and peace uh, was, like I say, it was night and day. It was, it was a very profound um, mm -hmm. kind of confirmation that I was tuning into something uh, that was true. That I mean, I didn't, again, I didn't have the word yeah. true in the way I have it now. Right. Right. So that was the first time 
that you sort of experienced the shift in how you experienced life or how you saw life? Is that another way to put it? Yeah, the first time that I experienced a shift in experience that was a non-conceptual shift. It wasn't one idea suddenly looked more important than another idea. Right. It was a felt sense. It was a, a shift that I, I experienced directly in consciousness. Mm. It's a shift of consciousness in consciousness. That's how I describe it now. I didn't have this language back then. So is another way of um, putting or maybe an effect of evolving consciousness just for a relatability is to like deepen in compassion and deepen in love um, and acceptance of whatever is happening. Or I liked, I was listening to one of the Sedona Hale Dorskin tapes and I liked the one unreasonable and unconditional acceptance um is that sort of <laughs> it's sort of like you're you're just confronted with all these things that are just very optimal for that dropping into that unconditional or unreasonable acceptance for no reason ah huh. <laughs> uh, it seems to me that everyone's awakening is the same it's the same happening and yet how each one of us articulates it and the kind of adjectives that um, we feel best describe what it is to wake up i'm going to use that word um, as a substitute for evolve because yeah. Yeah. I, I, I use the word evolve less these days and I'm more, I like the word awakening, you know, mm. here to awaken. Yeah. So uh, the experience of, of awakening is the same experience. And yet how we um, will tend to describe, uh, like I say, with adjectives like um, you know, the words that convey a quality, com compassion, unconditional love, um, peace, yeah, um, acceptance. They will be according to uh, the words that ring most true to us. Mm -hmm. What I find um, over the years in accompanying people in their experience of awakening is that there are a bunch of adjectives that tend to be used over and over for this, what I call, what I experienced as, as an early child, as this coherency and harmony and peace in my being. And all of those words you just described are belong to that bunch, you know, acceptance, um, mm. compassion, unconditional love. Yeah. For me, those words are all interchangeable. It's like you've got a diamond. Okay, and there are facets of the diamond. Mm -hmm. So all those words are really describing the same diamond. Right. And yet, you know, of course, as 
as we act in the world um, and we are rooted in our true nature, rooted in being conscious, the actions in the world will be tailored, if you like, to the moment. And in one moment, it would be, the actions would be maybe perceived and experienced as peacemaking. And another moment, it would be the actions would be perceived and received as unconditional love. Um, so it's like, the expression of awakening has got a different flavor, the expression. And yet all those slightly different expressions come from the same root. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a really good, uh, good reminder um, to not to, because I think there's a tendency, especially the way we are raised and stuff is to get lost in the, concepts and the ideas of it and think about it and try to reason about it rather than experience it for ourselves or mm. forgetting about yeah that i part. love that yeah i love that it, there's no substitute for experiencing it <laughs> it's like i love hale's uh, i don't know if he still uses this analogy it's like when you go to a restaurant and you get given the menu and you read what's on the menu uh, the menu is not the meal. <laughs> it's like the menu, the concept, if you try and eat the menu, it's nothing like eating the food. <laughs> yeah. And they, a lot of people are eating away on concepts the whole time. They're mm. just going round and round and round, uh, conceptualizing, conceptualizing. And what we have, what we're open to enjoying, enjoying is, is the meal. Mm. And re relying on concepts also, I feel like it's really fragile. It's very fragile and very susceptible to error and fallacy that, and, you know, like you can say one thing, but I imagine that when Jesus said lots of things, it, it wasn't really what was said that was as important as how it was said. Mm. Like mm, mm. the presence behind the words rather than the words themselves. Um, and I, like, I feel like if you hear love everything from, let's say a protester in the eighties, it will be very different to love everyone when Jesus said it at like the last supper um, or a teacher. So, so it's the same words, it's the same concept, but the, it's a completely different flavor, <laughs> uh, completely sort of like the menu. I yeah. Suppose. yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that's uh that's how i see it too is that yeah the same behavior or the same words can be spoken and yet it's where those words are coming from mm, which is that, where it yeah yeah that is the difference that makes the difference mm. yeah and there's no concept for that i mean <laughs> it's very elaborate how, how can you conceptualize intention you just know it well i think the best use we can um 
have or make of concepts. I mean, look, we are using concepts here, we're using words. And yet, um, it's to be aware that in the context of this exploration, who am I, which ultimately can't be put into words. Meaning the moment we put a direct experience into words, there is a, we are creating a concept. Right. So, you know, language is, is a, bit, a bit tricky because it can't deliver all the way. The menu can go, only go so far mm-hmm. to deliver an idea of the meal. It can only go so far. But there has to be a you know, point where you, you, you let go of the menu, okay, and then be open to your direct experience. Mm. So we can, at best, we can, uh, like a chef who writes the menu, um, does their best to convey with concepts, to conjure up with the use of words, to point to an experience, to give a sense of an experience with the words. Mm. So we can, I'm sure, you know, if you're using the example of uh, uh, Jesus Christ and, and similar sages like him, um, there was a way in which their use of words there was a natural skillfulness in the way words were used as uh, that drew people in and the words were pointing in the direction of an experience in the direction of truth mm. um, that these words um, entertained if you like the conditioned mind mm. um, but but penetrated deeper because the where the words are coming from um, Kind of vibrated, resonated in the moment the words are being spoken. It was the presence. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it was really being communicated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So w- words are kind of clumsy, but they're kind of they're what we've got. They're, <laughs> we can, but we can, you know, in, in, in terms of these conversations, be mindful yeah. of, of the words as, as a tool. Yeah. Because they can definitely inspire and um, inspire curiosity as well. Ah, well, that's interesting. Inspire, inspire curiosity. I, I have a little bit of a, just pausing there because so that word inspire, particularly in today's world um, and particularly the self-development world, it can often look like, you know, being in front of a motivational speaker. You know, you can do this, you can do this. Now, the question is, who is that speaker intending to inspire? to tell them who is the one that's saying you can do this. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever been in some motivational, you know, talks, that kind of thing, but usually the one showing up, well, I don't know about usually, I've been in, in some, in my, in my days, I've been to motivational speakers and found them interesting, but something didn't feel right at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And and looking back, it was because what I experienced in the main was that there was an ego on stage <laughs> attempting, attempting to inspire egos. Right. You, you can do this. And 
of course, what, what we're up to with self-inquiry, with exploring who we are with the Sedona method, we are, we're up to seeing through the ego that what we are is much more free and open and potent than the ego. So what you just said, I suppose another way what I was saying with inspire is resonate. So sometimes it could, those words could resonate with someone and an inspiration just occurs. Cause I don't think we, it's not something that we can control. Just sometimes it comes up. It's like, Oh, what's this? And it like pulls in a lot more than it, than everything else. I totally get what you say with the motivational speakers. <clears throat> Cause I guess a lot of it is about speech. Um, rather than where it's coming from um, is it where is it coming from yeah and what is the I feel like um, I think one of the interesting things with our society is a fixation on problems and fixing and moving forward um, rather than pausing reflecting um, and exploring sort of the conditions that have risen out of which all the problems or all the things in the world have arisen um which seems a lot more wise to just you know just give it a pause <laughs> just reflect because i think sometimes we um when we want to fix things or improve things we ended up just creating what a more complicated thing expression of the same underlying uh, conditions which are causing you know for like mm. example the world hunger stuff is that we, we have enough food for everyone we just don't value um at the end of the day and same with rubbish you know like rubbish on the streets everyone walks right past it anyone could pick it up <laughs> um but we don't uh which is fine but then we complain about it and we say we should do something we don't even look at our own there's again that i don't know for whatever reason jesus um, you see your own, why do you see the, the, the pin in your brother's eye, but you don't see the beam in your own eye? Yeah. <laughs> which is actually really like, I remember the Pope said something about, which, which was really, um, resonated as well. He said how we like to blame or we like to not take responsibility for the world. We'll say it's them. That's the problem. Homelessness, that one, it's all it's got nothing to do with me i'm living my life here i'm doing fine I'm, but no no it's not it's just that um and i feel like if we keep moving forward then we can't really pause and see that beam in our own eye which is really big <laughs> it's really in my experience it's been very big yeah big beam yeah Yeah, I'm also pausing and or cultivating that, and uh, <clears throat> and, and naturally turning uh, within in that becoming contemplative. Mm. That was the other thing that was um, resonated pretty early with me when I can't stop. I was I was um, quickly interested, even as a teenager, in whatever I came across that was. Um, some sort of commentary on spirituality. And, uh, and when I stumbled across the idea of contemplation, which is a more of a Christian kind of mm -hmm. approach to 
prayer and, and reflection. That word, it's like the early earlier years when the word evolution kind of resonated. Mm. And, yeah, it, contemplation really resonated for me and, and what it pointed to and something in me knew about contemplation and knew that I knew that. Mm. And, 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 and years later, when I was actively on the spiritual kind of path and searching, I you know, started to check out um, the experience called contemplation through certain practices. Mm. So yeah, pausing. I don't know, we see it with, with animals, don't we? Cats and dogs. I mean, they just like, they're totally engaged and enthusiastic and into their lives, but they know when to take a break, don't they? Uh, yeah, in terms of pausing and contemplating, I like the all the Sedona Method questions. They inspire to, stuff comes up from them. And one of the ones that was quite helpful was sort of just asking, at least for me, isn't God here right now? And I'll be like, oh, yeah. And I actually asked that once and I noticed that the, um, it pulled up this incredible fear. It's like a really like fear, deep fear of God. And I was like, whoa, where'd that come from? Um, but it was, it was only in that pausing that I could notice it. If I kept going, then I feel like we, we get, we spiral like this if we keep moving forward sometimes rather than just pause and um reflect well, what what comes up there for me is that uh, being in fear of god the i don't know the bible too thoroughly but there's some somewhere in the new testament where it says you know, be in awe of god mm. be in awe fear awe. so um fear in the sense of awe and awe belong you know it belongs with the word awesome be in awe. You mean that to be able to um, take in God, it's like that's the infinite. God's the eternal infinite. That's mm. impossible for the conditioning to take in the eternal. It's too mm. big. Yeah. So that's like be momentarily in the realization of the size of God, mm. of the ever present presence of God. How? Mm huge if you like that presence is there was yeah, a that's there interesting was a song lyric um that resonated uh, it was talking about well what what i got from it was about the limitations of so beyond experiencing and or that the mind can only really conclude from experience that's it's really all it can do and the limitations of that um in that awe or that ever present infinite um presence so like just breaks that <laughs> breaks it and yeah i think that's the well for me at least in my experience it just unfolds naturally of its own things just come up um, and I feel like the more I just leave it and the less I try to mingle or do anything about anything, the more things just dissolve on their own <laughs> and the presence reveals itself when the presence reveals itself and things mm. just melt. Mm. Um, they 
melt and melt. And then things come up. Yeah. Um, but it's actually something that you said to me. And also I heard hail that's been really helpful was the one seeing everything as releasing already. So I think that was a really big one. Um, so it's not a, it's not, nothing to do about it. It's actually, if something's coming up, it's already being released. That's what's happening. That's a really cool perspective shift, even for like dreams. So usually I might interpret dreams or something, but through that lens, it's, there's also the possibility of just letting the dream just release feelings as the dream releases feelings rather than necessarily looking for the meaning of it, which is still sort of in the mind. Um, so that was a very helpful, helpful perspective shift or recontextualization. Mm. Well, uh, that makes me think that apparently it was Lester Levinson, the originator of the method, who used the word effortless in relation to the method and, and what it allowed for, what the method allows for an effortless life, effortless happiness. And that so much suggests that the less we do, the less we try, the less we try and <laughs> figure out change, yeah, then the more that whole shift, that shift, that resolving happens by itself. Mm. And, and the releasing is no different. We're not, we don't, the more we think we have to do the release, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the more we're, actu we're actually um, going down the rabbit, rabbit hole more and more, mm. as opposed to. Mm. We're reinforcing as well. The, the very thing we're trying to release will reinforce when we say, I have to release yeah. this, which is really yeah. interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's very, that effortless part I found very curious because I found a part within me that went like, this isn't fair. <laughs> it can't be effortless. What do you mean? Huh. Yeah. Even even if it's around suffering or some some heaviness, it's like, no, you can't just release it. No, no. <laughs> you got to, you know. Are you going to work at it? Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting to see that conditioning, isn't it? And I mean, I, I wonder if that has oh, that idea. Well, you've got to work. You've got to work it. I hear a lot. I've got to process this, and I'm going. Um, how about no? You don't need to process this. This is this is the unfolding is happening. I wonder if this idea of got to work at it, you know, really came in with Freud and all the therapists that got kind of birthed from Freud's work and so on. Mm. Um, Because there's some kind of there's some um, wisdom in 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 the saying, oh, just just sleep on it, just just sleep on it. Mm. There's some wisdom in that, meaning uh, allow the letting go that happens when falling asleep happens, which is the falling away of identifying as the body. Mm -hmm. When the when sleep moment occurs, there's a falling away from identifying as the body. Mm. And there's a falling and it's a return to pure consciousness happening right there. So that's letting go, yes, mm. of the belief I am the body. Yeah, it falls away. 
And then in that, in that space of consciousness, see uh, the in the falling away of holding on to and ruminating on this problem this problem this problem there's a falling away of feeding all of that spin this problem this problem this problem how do i solve it how do i solve it (laughs) falling away and sleep happens and the intelligence of the system of the intelligent conditioning biological psychological Um, emotional conditioning the intelligent conditioning there can simply do what it does overnight Mm. and you wake up the next morning you go oh got it got it meaning insight (laughs) meaning clarity yeah Mm -hmm. that's a i I like the spin the, the that word spin um the whole spin of the mind and the different sides of it the different sides of the spin the the should and the shouldn't the fear of having and the fear of not having (laughs) or the fear of living and the fear of dying (laughs) all just kind of spinning around themselves and then wanting to do something about it just being another part of that spin keep spinning it keep spinning it um and then just how simple and mind dumbing it is to just drop back and just let go <laughs> um, and release. I feel like we all know it though. We all know that we can just let go, but there's just a part that wants to hold on or is just so used to it. Um, I liked, I really was a fan of that analogy that Hale used of holding onto the pen where you keep holding on to it, you tighten your grip, you tighten your grip, you tighten your grip, and over time it becomes familiar, mm. and it feels like it's a part of you. You don't, but you can just let it go and drop it at any moment. Um, mm. We don't learn that in school, though. It's <laughs> crazy, isn't it? That seems like yeah. one of the most important things to learn um, mm. in life. Totally. To just yeah. let go. Um, totally. That we can. Yeah, when you said the conditioning. I don't remember in, in relation to something. Oh, about the effort and how it has to be hard. That's wow. Really sunk in how powerful conditioning is. <laughs> it's very powerful. Oh, it has like, has its own tendency. I suppose it's only powerful when we don't see it though. And when we aren't aware and when we try to change it and when we, as opposed to just, dropping back and letting it all this is interesting so if conditioning was completely so if we notice something in your in your experience um because my sense of this is that if we notice a feeling or if we notice a thought if we notice some pattern and it's actually completely allowed to be as it is like completely um it just drops off is that sort of your experience as well Yes. So if there's a, there's a sensation, a feeling, an emotion, a perception, and it's simply allowed to be, it's not resisted, it's not judged as wrong or bad or a problem. It is, I'm, I've made this word up, so yeah. it's not <laughs> grammatically, it, it's aware of, 
it is a, the sensation or the emotion is aware of. Um, now, awareness that being aware of awareness doesn't fuel identification with that emotion, that sensation. Meaning identification, meaning uh, this is my emotion is happening to me. Mm-hmm. It's affecting me. It's limiting me. Awareness doesn't uh, fuel identification with what is arising within awareness. So it's like the it's a non-event. There's no 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 identification. It's a non-event. It's not happening to me. Mm not happening to the identified self called me, I, having this emotion, and this is my problem. The, identi- the identification is not fed. Mm. So there's more when I say uh, there's a happening happening. There's an emotion, a sensation, is a happening. Uh, and yet it is an awareness, though, does not judge what is happening as wrong or bad. That's the unconditional love nature of awareness. Mm. So it's not, whatever is happening is not perceived as wrong, good or bad, right or wrong. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so there's no reaction, no reactivity, because if, if it's judged as wrong from the point of view of identification, the judgment that what is happening is wrong triggers, I don't like this, what I do to get rid of it, change it, fix it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Whereas when what is happening is simply aware of, it is experienced and yet there's no triggering wrong, wrong and triggering, got to get rid of it, change it, fix it. Instead, what comes into play is discernment, what I call discernment, clear seeing, clear reasoning. Hale uses the word clear reasoning quite a lot, I've noticed, but what I call discernment enters in and knowing about what is happening not in terms of is it good or bad, but in terms of how the degree to which what is happening is in integrity or in alignment with unconditional love, with an expression of unconditional love. Mm. Another way of saying that, if, if, the, if what's happening is a person in front of you and they're behaving in the way they're behaving, a discernment as to where this person is coming from. Are they coming from being rooted in an understanding of their true self, their true nature, or are they coming from a misunderstanding from an egoic root of who they believe they are? Mm. A discernment, because they can, that person can behave in exactly the same, whether they're coming from love or coming from egoic fear the the behavior can be the same a bit like earlier you were saying the words can be the same Mm -hmm. but the place the words are coming from make all the difference Mm -hmm. so awareness is such a beautiful um, and powerful way to be in the world to be to be aware of being be aware of being aware Mm. to be awareness because there's this lovely uh, wisdom and clarity what I call discernment that can that knows how to navigate a situation um, with that that wisdom and that love mm. without without wronging anything 
Mm. <laughs> without without reacting to anything. Right. That's a big one. <laughs> without wronging yeah. or reacting. Without wronging or reacting. And that's huge in today's world because there's so much wronging and reacting happening. Mm-hmm. It does seem like there is um there's an emphasis on identifying with with the reactions and in, in the sense of identifying with opinions because every reaction seems to come from some sort of opinion about how life should be. Mm. Um, I don't think I've heard very often um, letting, growing up, that is, just letting, surrendering to how life is and having no opinions about it. <laughs> that wasn't really <laughs> something that I heard growing up. I don't think we hear that growing up. We hear more, it's something to figure out be right when that tends to be the emphasis i find and definitely in how also we value and the things we notice and the things on tv everything again not just spoken but also a lot of it is unspoken and implied in like the sort of ads that we watch the sort of movies that are on tv the classic like hero movies and villain movies bad good guy bad guy um as opposed to just like some wholesome <laughs> uh, show about n- nothing in particular or something like that. Um, yeah, it is very interesting. The world we live in is very interesting, isn't it? It's quite, I like what you said earlier on. You're like, I feel like I'm on the wrong planet <laughs> when you were a kid as the only way to make sense of it. Um, I suppose for a kid, that's. Yeah, I'm also pausing and or cultivating that, and uh, <clears throat> and, and naturally turning uh, within in that becoming contemplative. Mm. That was the other thing that was um, resonated pretty early with me when I can't stop. I was I was um, quickly interested, even as a teenager, in whatever I came across that was. Um, some sort of commentary on spirituality. And, uh, and when I stumbled across the idea of contemplation, which is a more of a Christian kind of mm. approach to prayer and, and reflection, that word, it's like the early, early years when the word evolution kind of resonated. Mm. And, yeah, it, contemplation really resonated for me. And, and what it pointed to and something in me knew about contemplation I knew that I knew that mm. and, 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 and years later when I was actively on the spiritual kind of path and searching I you know, started to check out um, the experience called contemplation through certain practices mm. so yeah pausing I don't know, we see it with, with animals, don't we? Cats and dogs. I mean, they just like, they're totally engaged and enthusiastic and into their lives, but they know when to take a break, don't they? Um, because, and so the experience of the craziness, like I said, is not triggering reactivity, it's not triggering fear or anxiety or fight and flight right so the world then can be as crazy as it is Mm -hmm. and yet the sense of 
being okay and having agency to navigate that world and contribute to it potentially to as as i know you're on the on the path of uh, accompanying and supporting others in helping them out of their own reactivity and their own suffering so they can move out of a very self-centered kind of uh, oriented experience self-centeredness what's wrong with me it's all either something wrong with me or something wrong with them it's all reactive moving out of that reactivity and to discover the, the peace and the harmony of their true nature so they can en enjoy being in the world mm. for as long as they're in the world and their natural gifts and talents can start to express and our natural gifts and talents how it looks to me is that when we express our natural gifts and talents from a settled down understanding of our nature, our talents naturally support the world, they support what, the play of the world. Naturally, our wise actions and behaviors and um, in, they're insightful, they are inspired, they are creative and generate peace and lovingness mm. naturally not because we're trying to change the world but because it's just a natural consequence of living from love mm. what comes to mind is like um <clears throat> if there's like a a body of water or some something and there's a little channel that opens up the water just flows in it without without any it doesn't do anything it just flows because that's its nature um i think we don't when we are in my experience identify as that that me the the conditioning and the belief systems and all that everything basically just believing all the thoughts that come up um then we think we have to do something <laughs> Um, but there's actually, there's no one to do anything and everything happens spontaneously, you know. Um, it's quite funny, all the things that ego takes credit for. It's like, I'm very aware that when a joke comes up, it came up out of nowhere. <laughs> there's no one to take credit for it. And that's why it's funny because it just comes up. It's like, wow, that's a great one. Um, same thing with like work and with people and relationships and everything. It just comes up out of nowhere. Um, and the cool thing is that there's no one to take credit for, but there's also no one to blame for it. <laughs> yeah. So we're <laughs> able to believe that actually brings up something that came up before. Um, I remember when, because we often hear, or I often hear that there's, there's no me. And when there's no me, there's no problem um, because nothing's identified with. So <laughs> there's no problems. Um, a part that comes up and is like, well, that's just cheating. <laughs> you can't just, you know, you got to work on it, uh, which may very well be that same part that learns to do things the, a certain way. And it's actually quite coming from quite a rigid place because like they have to be done like this. No, you can't. No, you have to do it this way, <laughs> even though that may not be true at all. So that's very, very interesting. I think we see that, well, I see that in, in life a lot 
has to be this one. I wonder how this looks to you, this uh, glimpsing the uh, um, reality that there's no, when there's no me, when there's no identification um, as the one who is wronging um, or writing what it sees and experiences. There's simply what is happening. When there's no identification, there's no problems. Well, um, it seems to me if a person steps on a rusty nail, mm -hmm. okay, then they could develop blood poisoning, okay, if they didn't have tetanus shot. So if there's um, a misuse of the idea that to be awakened is to experience not identifying with the body and there's nobody, this, this is not happening to me, yeah. mm -hmm. it's not a problem. Well, uh, there is a problem, there is a consequence to stepping on a rusty nail of a possibility of blood poisoning. So it's where the realization that we are not, who we are is not limited by the limits of the body and the limits of the mind. Mm. Doesn't mean that we become mm, kind of doesn't mean that we kind of ride roughshod over life and ignore stepping on rusty nails in the belief when it's not happening to me mm. that that's that would be described in some circles of a spiritual bypass mm. you know being oh it's not affecting me i'm you know a divine being there's no problem yeah no the the realization that that of what we are that doesn't lead to reactivity um, allows for clarity, wisdom, discernment to operate freely. And so we can step on a rusty nail, but instead of going into high drama reaction oh i'm gonna die i'm gonna die i'm just making this up yeah i'm gonna die I'm gonna die. you know there's yeah there's a there is a the bodily sensations being aware of the pain signals in this instance are conveying really helpful information to say get yourself to the emergency clinic mm -hmm. yeah right now and having the clarity just to to take care of the body mm. yeah Take care of it in a non-reactive, not PS PTSD inducing overreaction. Yeah. <laughs> but to with wisdom and clarity, take care of the body. Mm. And be unscathed, meaning that whole event not being laid down as an as a as as a as proof or evidence that I am stupid, I am dumb, I am clumsy not being laid down as a as a characteristic that is identified as me mm. oh, but it's, it was a happening mm. okay. but it doesn't say anything about me being stupid yeah that would be the ego up to its making that foot on the nail moment a wrong moment mm. Uh, yeah does that does that 
makes sense just that oh yeah just that. yeah i i also find that when there isn't the identification it's not that not like negligent with the body but usually the opposite <laughs> it, ah, it takes care yeah. of itself um and also at the same time when it does something does happen um that if there and maybe thoughts arise like i should go somewhere i actually usually like to just surrender through the sensations um and let it all unravel as as it does um i remember in it's a book i read letting go um there was this case of when a log fell on on uh on his foot and he just used a surrender technique <laughs> to just surrender through the sensations um it broke all the bones in his in his foot like it broke everything but he just surrendered through and the body just healed itself and that's what i also resonate with um is because i feel like you know everything is everything is finite here all these experiences and life in this realm it's limited so may as well use all those moments where we get hurt or something happens as an opportunity to deepen and surrender um that's at least how i see it and if it means and, and sometimes a surrender might lead to something like taking something maybe, or maybe not, but this, but that happens of its own. At least that's my, my experience. It happens automatically of its own and there doesn't have to be any suffering. So, or suffering is lessened very, very, and it can be transcended if there isn't an identification with it at the same time, it can be still, you know, take care of the body as, as we do, um, that's that's been my experience of it um yeah it's probably if i stepped on a nail i would just surrender through it um uh not well, giving you know, medical um, advice by the way well, <laughs> for anyone listening. i love it i mean this this would be perhaps another conversation this whole area of this is one an area i love to explore too which is the interface of awakening and healing mm. healing not just emotional psychological but physical healing through surrender, through letting go, mm-hmm. through simply resting back as consciousness and how that allows for sometimes miraculous, what would be termed in the world as miraculous recovery yeah. or cures. It's amazing. It's a fascinating um, aspect of, of, uh, of what's in the realm of possibility. Um, yeah, I love it. I love the, the depth of that, that that word surrender points to. A lot of human beings find that word, word a little bit scary because I think it's about failure and giving up. Mm. And it's really not, is it? It's not, no, no amount of giving up. It's all about giving over, <laughs> giving over. Yeah, it's amazing that yeah, it's been yeah. tied, tied to that. Um, that's where a lot of resistance within me has come from as well, I think, with surrender, yeah, as we grow up. We don't get told to surrender we get told to do things and be good at yeah. it rather than let go and let go and let god is one uh one that i like um but even if we don't you don't even have to be- believe in anything like i myself don't have any beliefs around it it's just a surrender to what whatever it is surrender to truth is pretty pure that can be um 
anyone can we can do that at any time if we want to <laughs> well, sometimes i don't like to hear that i don't think yeah um but it's really yeah but to me that's what prayer is as well um sometimes in my experience anytime i hand something over in prayer it there's always a response and it's usually rather fast <laughs> um oh. and it's amazing that's a form of surrender for me of uh, just praying letting go asking for me prayers like asking to see it differently or for forgiveness uh, there's an interesting thing in the course of miracles uh, which i missed yet to fully grasp but still have certain glimpses of it around guilt being the source of if there is if we feel bad and we don't feel complete peace is how i see it there's st still something to forgive within us is what the course Mir miracle teaches and looking for that um that's been quite very interesting perspective but yes lots of other perspectives to explore fiona but i know, <laughs> I know you have we've gone about an hour so thank you very much and oh it, that went fast i enjoyed that yeah is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with Whatever. oh thank you for, thank you for listening whoever's been listening to this um, <laughs> and uh you know uh hang out with nick you know he's got just some lovely questions and ways of drawing us all into this inquiry of who we are yeah awesome thank you so much and if i'll leave fiona's it's just fiona more.net dot net com dot com i've got a dot com fiona dashmore fiona more.com fiona more.com if you'd like to learn more about fiona <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so thank you very much and listeners have a wonderful day thank you for joining us